free agency begins today. Uh, let's uh, get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Uh, joining us now, she covers the jazz for the Deseret News. She's Sarah Todd with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. How's it going? We are great. Uh, I love today. I love free agency day. I'm kind of a, uh, I love the behind the scenes stuff with the NBA. I find it absolutely uh, fascinating. So I'm, I'm stoked you're with us, but uh, this is a fun day, I think. Yeah, I think the thing that I like the most about it is once the news actually comes out, you've got kind of movement of a bunch of different players, not really the top name players, but I kind of like like some of the guys the Jazz would be looking at, like veteran minimum contract guys, I like to see where they're going and try to project out how they're going to like actually play on the teams that they're going to. And so that's the fun part for me. Well, I want to start out asking you about Michael Conley, and then I want to get into some of the rules and exactly, you know, I thought you explained them really well at Deseret.com and exactly how much money they're going to have to do what with. But I want to start with, with Michael Conley and what you're hearing about him and if you're expecting a deal between he and the Jazz. Yeah, I think that, I mean, just logistically, if you look at the landscape of the NBA, at the price that Mike Conley is going to come at, the market value for him has been projected throughout the offseason and fluctuated kind of between 18 and $26 million a year. And so if you look at that cap space that other teams have and who's looking for a point guard, it doesn't really make a ton of sense for him to go anywhere else. And so I think that it's it's definitely expected that the Jazz are going to finalize a deal and they're going to be able to get it done. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that it'll be long after that uh, 4 p.m. Mountain Time that we hear something. And uh, I'm assuming you think that that's probably the right new or the right decision based on a lot of very good reasons. Yeah, first of all, they don't have that money to play with if they don't use it on Mike Conley because they're already over the cap. The reason that they can re-sign him is because they have his bird rights which allows a team to re-sign their own players, even if it puts them over any cap number. And so if Mike Conley didn't re-sign with the Jazz, it's not like the Jazz could go out and spend $20 million elsewhere. They don't have that money. It's just gone. And so, number one, that's a good idea. But number two, I mean, we saw what Mike did with the Jazz last season. He was a huge reason why they were the team with the best record in the league through the regular season. And had he been healthy throughout the playoffs, Maybe we're looking at a Western Conference Finals team rather than a second-round exit again. I know uh, last year was a little bit different as far as access goes and not being able to, to talk to folks in person, but uh, from what you know about the relationships between uh, Michael and Donovan and, and, say, Michael and Rudy and the rest of the teammates there, I would guess that the team itself would be all in favor of bringing him back as well, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen guys – on the team joking around with Mike on social media throughout the off season about coming back. And I, I mean, I asked Joe Ingles, you know, how important would it be to get a guy like Mike back after they had finished the playoffs? And Joe was like, if I have to fly to Ohio and have lunch with Mike in his mansion, then I will do it. Like we need Mike Conley back on this team. And so, and he's, I mean, he's been known for being a great teammate, teammate and a great locker room presence throughout his career. We're at 14 years now, and there's not a bad word to have been said about him. What did uh, moving Derek Favors do for the Jazz? First of all, it helps the Jazz out financially. And, I mean, I think let's look at it from a roster perspective first, okay? If the Jazz 
heading into this offseason, one of the biggest issues that they needed to address is that they weren't versatile at the big position. And so they it, you didn't want to continue with the same thing when you know that, that was a problem. And so they're going to want to be bringing in something more versatile, whether that's a stretch five, someone that can play small ball five. They just want to add versatility at that position. Once they do that, that's going to make Derek Savers a redundancy on on the roster. And so if you look down and he's not getting minutes and he's being paid $9 million plus a year, that's not a good reason to have him on the roster. And the Jazz have so much money on the books right now that they're going to be a luxury tax, luxury tax repeating team. And each dollar for a contract, just it compounds. And so it's not like you're just paying $9 million. That $9 million would turn into – you know, $27 million that they're paying in luxury tax just to have Derek Favors sit at the end of the bench and not be playing on a roster where they've decided that he doesn't help them. And so, and then I'd also been asked, well, why didn't they buy him out? That has to be mutually agreed on. Like, buyouts just can't happen. And so the the player and the team has to agree on the buyout. And even then, if you buy out a player, whatever you agree that you're going to be paying that player to buy them out, that counts against the salary cap. And so trading Derek Favors gets that money off the books. They're not being taxed for that money. And, you know, it's not like they can go out and get a free agent with that money. It's not like $9 million just automatically frees up. But they're not spending money on a redundancy. And there's another roster spot open at the end of it. Yeah, I'm with you on the buyout thing. That 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 doesn't make any sense. But let's let's uh, talk about the position the Jazz are in going into to free agency. And I know you wrote about some of this, but I, I thought you put it very well. So help walk us through. Let's talk about what the difference is between a mid-level exception and a taxpayer mid-level exception, and what exactly the Jazz are going to have resource-wise to do something in free agency. Right. So the mid-level exception, which is how they signed Derek Favors last season, is which is around $9 million, 9.5 this season, give or take a little bit, that can be used by a team so long as they're not going to go above the apron at any point. And that's going to be somewhere around $139 million for the rest of this coming season. And with the apron is a it's a dollar amount that's just a little bit above what the tax threshold is. And so the Jazz can't have the full mid-level exception because after they're done signing Mike Conley, they're going to be way above that anyway. So if they were to go out and use the tax, the regular non-taxpayer mid-level exception before they sign Conley, they wouldn't be able to sign Conley. And so what they do have at their uh, available to use is the taxpayer mid-level exception, and that's around $5.9 million. And that allows them to go out and get a free agent that agrees to a salary. Or, I mean, they could split it between two players, they could split it however they want, but they've got $5 million, $5.9 million that they could use with the taxpayer mid-level exception. Outside of that, they can sign guys to minimum contracts. And that those vary depending on the guy. You know, a guy with one or zero year, years of service is going to come in at about, you know, a million dollars. And with every year of service in the NBA, that contract goes up. But as long as it's the minimum deal for the years of service, the Jazz will be able to offer that to free agents too. So uh, not to put you on the spot, Sarah, but let's go through a, a couple of names of, of players that might be available and the Jazz might be interested in. Yeah, we. I mean, we've heard that in the past that the Jazz have been interested in Otto Porter and guys like Rudy Gay. 
there are some injury and some fitness issues with a couple of those guys. And I think that it's, you know, it's no question that one of the players that punished the Jazz for their lack of versatility in Nick Batum is a guy that would make a ton of sense if they could get him to come over, whether it's with that taxpayer mid-level. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a small ball five who has shown no signs of slowing down. And, you know, even if it's just on a couple of years, a deal, it would be really helpful for the Jazz to have, you know, that, that front court spaced out a little bit and be able to switch things up because they got punished for that in the postseason. Um, you're looking beyond that position. There's guys like Mo Harkless, Solomon Hill, James Ennis, rangy wing defenders who have a lot of length and have been known to come in and play on minimum deals and really have an impact, especially when it matters in the postseason. Have some other jazz stuff I want to get to with you, Sarah, but as long as we're talking free agency, just kind of some overall NBA stuff. Uh, Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard both opt out. Do you expect either one of them to change teams? I mean, I don't really expect them to. I think that the Chris Paul one makes a little bit more sense for him to opt out because, you know, he can get a longer contract and just have, like, the security uh, of just opting out of that one-year deal for $40 million. Instead, he could go, you know, three years for many tens more millions of dollars. Uh, with Kawhi, it's a little strange. I mean, I'm sure that the Clippers are just going to re-sign him. Steve Ballmer has made it very clear that he will do whatever it takes to keep Kawhi on the team. And so... I mean, that gives a ton of leverage to Kawhi Leonard. And so, yeah, it would make sense for him to opt out and try to get more money. At the same time, if he if he just waits one year and opts in, then he'd be, you know, max extension eligible. And so I, it's a little strange because the Clippers could very easily say, you know, we made it to the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi, and we don't even know when he's going to come back from surgery, and there's been injury problems in the past, so – it just puts a lot of power in Kawhi's corner for ownership and management to have already said, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to keep him here. You covered the 76ers for a little while. You have any thoughts on if Ben Simmons is going to be on that roster opening day and uh, frankly, the asking price for him out there? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's very Daryl Morey ish to put out such a large acting asking price and, you know, sort of dangle the carrot a little bit and see what's out there. I think rightly so. Ben Simmons' trade stock is not at its highest point right now. I think that he probably will be on the roster opening day, but Ben Simmons is the kind of player that plays very, very well during the regular season, and so that can improve his stock. He could be moved by the trade deadline. I think that makes a lot more sense than trying to move him sort of right after a, a bit of a fiasco of of a time that he had during the postseason. Sarah Todd is with us here on the big show. Of course, she covers the jazz for the Deseret News. I uh, want to give your thoughts on, uh, or get, excuse me, your thoughts on the jazz. What did you think about Jared Butler? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting pick. There's, you know, I think that you always have to give credence a little bit to the intel that is league-wide, you know, there the concerns that people had about his medical conditions, I don't think that it was so much the heart condition, but there were reports that there was a knee issue too. I think that that probably raised some red flags for some people. And so it's definitely something to keep an eye on and to keep in mind with him moving forward. And 
just hope that the Jazz can really get hit. I mean, we're talking about a league that has the best sports science in the world, and so if anybody, you know, if any athlete is going to be able to condition themselves and strengthen themselves to prevent injury, then it would probably be someone in the NBA. They're very good at that. And so that's something to keep an eye on. But on the court, I mean, he's an exceptional defender, and he's incredibly rangy. I mean, this guy was shooting NBA plus threes as far as uh, length and range goes while he was playing collegiately and at Baylor he just he did a little bit of everything and he's really versatile on the wing and I think what strikes me the most is that he's really good at putting pressure on the ball but he's also really smart when it comes to rotating and playing help defense I like that about his game and all of that to say you know none of us know what rookies are going to be like until we're two three four years down the road so but right now he looks like a very good prospect What do you think about the Lindsay family connection to him? And I say uh, family because not just uh, Dennis, who, of course, has followed the Baylor basketball program really closely, uh, but also his son, who was uh, on that uh, on that Baylor team. They didn't overlap. And in fact, if uh, uh, apparently Jake gave up his scholarship so that Jared uh, was the one that Jared took. But anyway, and and Jake was the one who recruited him there to Baylor. But uh, long and short of it, what do you think about the Lindsay family connection? Any connection that an NBA team has to a college program is only going to help them when they're scouting potential players. Uh, it's, I mean, you're never going to go and say like, oh, the, the Jazz didn't have a connection at Baylor, and and that's that's good that they weren't completely in the loop. You know, it's it's great that they've got ties that they can lean on and they can trust the intel that they get. They probably know a few more people on the inside at Baylor than maybe some of the other teams do, and. I asked Justin Zanuck about that the other night. Like, what is it about those connections? Like, how does it make you feel more comfortable? And it's not so much the on-court stuff, but when you're figuring out what a guy's like, his background, who his friends are, what he does on his off days, it's easier to feel confident in the intel that you've got if you have people close to the situation that are reaffirming the information that's coming into you. And so when you've got sort of, like, you know, boots on the ground at a place like Baylor, that's, it's just it's nice to have confidence in the information that's coming. All right, Summer League starting tomorrow here in Salt Lake. There will be three teams. Jazz will actually have two teams, uh, Jazz White and Jazz Blue. Uh, most everybody you're familiar with is is going to be on the Jazz White team, including, uh, you know, Doak and Elijah Hughes. But who has the most to gain uh, in Summer League, do you think, Sarah, this year? I mean, there's a couple of guys. Uh Udoka and Elijah are both guys that came in as rookies and were in such a weird situation with the COVID year, and they were both dealt with strange injuries. That so their development was slowed. They didn't get a summer league their rookie year. They the G League bubble was completely separated from the team, and they also were on a team that was you know had championship aspirations. So it's very hard to get time, and the Jazz were restrictive with their rotations, and so it was just a unique situation. And so I think that both of those players have a ton to gain from just showing what they've learned on the court throughout Summer League. Um, we spoke to Elijah and and Doak today, and what I will say is that Elijah sounds very confident in his defensive progress, and he's hoping that that's going to show on the court. That's something to keep an eye out on. And uh, Doak actually looked really lean today. He looked like he's in great shape. And from all reports, everyone in practice is saying that he's one of the most athletic guys that anyone's ever seen. I mean, if we can see this guy run up and down the court, 
and keep up kind of at an NBA pace. And we haven't seen a lot of him. And so it's going to be good to see him actually get some run through the full course of the game. And then a couple of other guys, Drell Brantley and Trent Forrest, um, you know, they're, they're both going to be playing for contracts at this point. And they both could add value to this Jazz team. And so those are guys that if they can really make an impact this summer, it might mean the difference between a roster spot or not. Jarrell Brantley, I want to ask you about uh, <clears throat> excuse me, him in particular, Sarah, because I he's somebody that I think has potential. And and you know when you're covering players that are kind of at the back part of the roster, sometimes you're like, dude, is he really good, or am I just <laughs> fooling myself into it, or whatever? But I I always want to see more of him when we've seen him. Where are you at on Brantley? Well, I've I've made no secret on social media my belief in Jarrell Brantley. I think that he has all of the tools to be an NBA player. He's got the frame and the size. And what really stands out to me is that despite not getting really any time this last season on a two-way deal, he improved his shooting percentages by almost 20% all around. And so if you've got a guy that's working that hard behind the scenes and he's not getting a lot of time on the court, but he's able to contribute and develop on his own, I think that speaks volumes of a guy. And then just – for his size defensively, he's kind of right in the mold of what the Jazz would mean. I think that if he got more of an opportunity playing with the regular rotation players, that you'd see a lot of good stuff out of Jarrell Brantley. You going to Vegas? I will be there. Have uh, I, I'm curious, and I really have no idea. Have they talked to you guys about what's going to happen with the masks? Because I think Vegas went back to a mask mandate, right? Is this going to be a, an empty gym kind of thing and masking once again? I'm not sure I'm not sure what the gym is going to look like. We haven't gotten complete word on that yet, but the NBA is their own world and we follow their rules, you know, and yeah. so uh we'll still everybody that I am in the media and everyone will be masked, but we will be able to have a little bit more contact with the players on the teams that we cover, which is great news. I just means better coverage for all the readers and everyone involved and better stories and uh, more intricate details. And so I'm just looking forward to getting a little bit closer to the game. You know, I don't know if people appreciate this, and I'm, I'm unfortunately not going to cover it uh, this year, but I've covered uh, several summer leagues in the past. And the, the Salt Lake Summer League is, is fun too. But but covering that event in Vegas is super underrated. Like they're, they're, everybody's down there. You get to see all these young players. There's storylines that are just coming out your ears. I'm jealous because summer leagues are super fun to cover. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of uh, Las Vegas itself in the summer at all, yeah, but right. yeah. but uh, you can spend eight hours in the Thomas and Mack Center and you can talk to everyone from the owner to executives to scouts to players. You know, you've got regular, you've got the All Star players that are coming out to Vegas to watch their rookies play in summer league, and everyone's just kind of there, and you get to talk to everyone. And, it's a well air conditioned building, which I really appreciate. Yep. And so it's it's a very good time. You're right; it's it's severely underrated. I'm going to pull a Monson here for a second, and just a humble brag story because it was a couple of years ago. I was I was watching I, I, some random summer league game. It wasn't the Jazz. We were waiting for the Jazz to play, and I I looked to my right, and I was just standing right next to Roy Williams. I was like, that's just Roy Williams, <laughs> just chilling there, just taking in a game, man. It's something else. It's really cool. Yeah, I thought, I think that. Uh, one time, the first time that I ever went to Summerlay, this was probably back in 2012 or 2013, um, 
I accidentally dropped pizza on Brent Berry. And so <laughs> I, I don't really tell anyone about that. It wasn't my finest moment. So I just keep that one to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. What, Austin isn't here today, Sarah, but next time you come on and Austin's here, we'll have to have him tell you the uh, he spilled a entire he was a waiter and and was uh, was working a wedding and he spilled a whole tray of Dr. Pepper onto the bride. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's such an Austin story. Uh, I cannot wait to have yeah. him tell it. I want I want to see his face when he does it too. But hey, that's you know what I at least I normally spill on myself. I, I can't wear white clothing because it inevitably will have coffee all over it. But it's um, a daily problem. Yeah, oh, isn't it the worst? I mean, it, you know what? Whenever somebody important drops by the studio, that's when I have an extra like big stain right on the front. Like, oh, hello there. You know, good to. Good yeah. Any to illusions that anyone has of me being a cool person, if they saw how much I spill food on myself, <laughs> they would think differently. So. <laughs> Well, Sarah, we appreciate you jumping on the show as always, and we'll be uh, following your reporting uh, going into free agency. Should be fun. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Sarah. That's our friend Sarah Todd from the Deseret News. You can read her work at Deseret.com. Also, she has a very complicated Twitter handle if you want to follow her on Twitter, at NBA Sarah.